As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. Uh, the plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to four to six with A and B, your Ohio State podcast on the Athletic Bill Endish, joined by Ari Wasserman. Ari, right, we got news to talk about. Trey Sermon lost his black stripe on Wednesday. <laughs> you know what, man? We're going to get to talk about that stuff soon, and it's amazing. Yeah. Like, this is the best day I've had in a long time. How about you? I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy. It's been uh, – I don't I, – I didn't want to come on this podcast and, like, complain about how awful the last month has been, but it's been pretty terrible for a lot of reasons um, and exhausting, and I'm sure it's been that way for a lot of people, and we're far from the most important people in this conversation. Um, but I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy about what happened today. I was also happy on like August 8th or whenever that was when the schedule came out the first time. But I'm I'm happier now because this feels legitimate. Yeah. It. it well. It. Dare I say it is legitimate? <laughs> um, yeah. No. The the idea that uh, everybody's back on the same page, even though uh, it might be a little bit different for each conference and which i'm sure we'll get into on this podcast is good but the only thing that i asked for on this podcast and i think you asked for on this podcast was uh everybody playing at the same time and ending up in the same pot and it looks like we've got that and uh hallelujah because you know this is what we want to talk about we want to talk about football we want to talk about playoff comparisons we want to talk about how exciting it is that this team is as good as it is i you know these are the things that we've been craving talking about and our body clocks are in football season. It's fall. We got I've got fall uh, pumpkin candles burning in my apartment <laughs> now with pumpkins all over the place, and it's just like I don't want to watch random Georgia Tech Florida State games and not be able to talk about the Buckeyes with my guy here. I had sweatpants on two days ago. It was pretty nice. Um, no, I'm with you, and, and I think like that's that's the thing with this. I, I think it's like it's not the thing, but it's it's the thing that makes me feel good about this is that. Everyone, like you said, except for the Pac-12, although as we're talking about this at 6.45 p.m. on Wednesday night, like there's movement in the Pac-12. I don't know what it's going to lead to, but stuff's happening out there. Um, but the Big 12, the ACC, the SEC, and now the Big 10 are all kind of in the same boat. It's going to happen on different timelines, and we'll talk about that. Um, but but I, I feel good knowing that like this season's not going to pass Ohio State and the Big 10 by. Like I really hope that it happens. I think we've seen that it's going to be tough, but I think it's doable. And, and I hope that it is, and we'll get to see uh, the Big Ten in contention for, for a college football playoff berth, with, uh, which I think is of the the most uh, interest for Ohio State fans. So uh, just quickly, let's get nuts and bolts out of the way, I guess, real quick, as if people don't know already. The Big Ten announced on Wednesday that it was going to restart its fall season on October 23rd. We don't have a schedule yet. We could have one um, by the end of this week. Gene Smith said, like, at the latest, late next week, it'll be an eight-game schedule played over eight weeks and then a ninth week where there's a Big Ten title game and then some lower-seeded crossover games, which I think are kind of cool, but I also don't think Ohio State fans care about because they want to be in the title game. 
But the most important thing is that you now have that option to be in the Big Ten Championship, to get it under the wire and be done before the final playoff rankings come out on December 20th and compete for a national championship. I don't know that I agree that Ohio State fans don't care about the 7th versus 7th Illinois Rutgers game to determine the worst team in the Big Ten on the same day as the Big Ten championship no, game. I which mean, it's, it's I interesting, would, but you don't want to be in it. <laughs> well, I know Ohio State fans don't even they can't even register that. I'm just saying I think that a lot of them would watch it. I'll I will. Watch it. I'll watch it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd cover it. I'd fly across the country to cover it depending on where that was. We don't have a Rutgers or Illinois beat writer, so maybe you can send you there. Uh, let me open up Slack and see if I can get my boss on the horn here. <laughs> I've covered enough Big Ten championship games. Yeah, that's like the yeah, that's the bizarro Big Ten championship game. The worst team in the West versus the worst team in the East. Ohio State won't be part of that, thankfully. Yeah, and covering the Big Ten championship game is amongst one of the hardest, most draining physically uh, things that activities a sports writer can do on the Ohio State calendar. So It sucks, uh, man. That, yeah, day, that day it, is the worst. <laughs> There's no sleep. Uh, we'll get to the good stuff anyway. No, but like I'm glad like you have that to look, to look forward to now. So that's good. That's good. Um, yeah. There are, I don't know. I don't really want to talk about, like there are rigorous testing protocols and all this stuff. And, and I think you can read about that if you want to. And I don't say that as a way to be dismissive of it because it's very important. It's, it's what determines whether or not there's a season. But I kind of just want to talk about like football and, and the idea that like now we can finally analyze Ohio State as a national title contender again. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm okay with that. I, I think it's important to at least acknowledge that the country and the world is still in a pandemic and that there are going to be challenges that come uh, along with this and kids will get sick and games might get postponed. And the number one thing that I want to at least get across by bringing this up before we move on to uh, playoff talk is that um, it's going to be a really jammed up schedule where they're going to have to play nine games in nine weeks. And in a world where postponements are happening regularly and things are, you know, occurring uh, on a minute-by-minute basis, I think that it's important to, you know, just kind of remind people that this is still an imperfect product. We are leaps and bounds ahead of where we were, and, and thank God for that. I think everybody's excited about the fact that they're playing. But also, this is like step one of the race, not the finish line. So, um Wear your mask, I guess. Be safe. Do, do what you can to, to preserve football season because uh, the better it is that way, the better it is for everybody. But, yeah, let's get to the good stuff. Okay, so you texted – or no, maybe you slacked it. You slacked something uh, yesterday, Tuesday, uh, when it was apparent that Wyatt Davis and Sean Wade had chosen to opt out of this season. And you said, I don't think that makes Ohio State the national championship favorite anymore. And I said, that sounds good. Let's argue about that. Now, I think Wyatt Davis is going to play. Uh, we don't have clarity on that yet, but he wants back in. Uh, there's some loop, not loopholes, but some things to work through with the NCAA before he can come back. But people I've talked to seem very confident that it will happen. So I think Wyatt Davis comes back. Sean Wade, I'm not sure. Uh, he went on SportsCenter on Wednesday, and he said uh, he had not made up his mind yet. He had not signed with an agent yet. Uh, it's his 22nd birthday. He wants to celebrate his birthday, and, and I'll figure out what he wants to do next. I'm a little less confident that Sean Wade might play. So let's do let's do this. Wyatt Davis is in. Sean Wade's out. Let's let's couch it that way. How do you feel about Ohio State national title contender relative to what you thought about Ohio State national national title contender six months ago? Definitely better with one rather than none. Um, the question I have back for you is if you can only take one of them, who do you take? White Davis. And I know that's tough. Yeah, well, shocked shocked to hear that. But it's a very interesting situation because um, cornerback, in my opinion, defensive backfield has been Ohio State's biggest question going into the season. And the fact that uh, they might not have a first-round pick at that place, um, you know, I know Seven Banks and some of the guys are, are in there ready to step up, but it's kind of an interesting – dynamic in that in that regard so you know I, I don't know you you know Randy pretty well I spent some time with him in January in Jacksonville um, I'm surprised to hear you say that you're not so sure but then again Sean Wade is now gonna be potentially having a conversation about a lot of money and when that starts happening that's when things get real uh, but I think I would take the cornerback um, and I know that Kerry Combs 
has a long history of developing corners and first round draft picks and BIA and blah blah blah. I know all the, all the history, but you know when you're playing uh, Tr- Trevor Lawrence and they've got Justin Ross or, or players like that. I know Justin Ross is injured playing. You need to shut down cornerback, and I think Ohio State's got enough meat on the bone up front offensively to kind of make make some changes, move around a little bit, and, and still have a really good offense. And you know, when we're talking about the potential that Ohio State's got the best offense in the history of uh, the game this year, you know, they've got the talent to do that, or at least the best in the game this year. And then you have a defense that's the question mark. I don't know how you could rationalize potentially taking the offensive player when the defensive players the or defensive unit is the one that needs a player like that more. Yeah, I think you feel it more at corner for sure. And I don't disagree with you that the defense has more questions than the offense. And I just I just think that the gap between the guy who would theoretically be leaving and the guy who would replace him is wider at right guard than it would be a corner. And part of that's because like, I'm really high on seven banks and I kind of like what I saw to Cam Brown last year. Now, Sean Wade is a first round type of talent. We're making some assumptions about him because he's never really played outside before, but I have every reason to believe he'd be good out there. Um, I just don't know like why Davis is an all American potential first round pick. And if he were to go, um, you'd be replacing him with somebody who's like never really played before. Sean Wade, you're replacing in theory with seven banks and Cam Brown who played a lot last year. And then like Marcus Williamson, who's an older guys in that mix, but that's a lot of young guys and, and that gets precarious too. Um, but I think it's more for me about the gap between the starter and the backup than it is about where you'd feel it more just sort of generally, if you just ranked it by position. Yeah. By the time this podcast goes up, uh, we're not sure if we're going to have, 100% answers on whether or not both those guys are coming back and are both eligible. Um, but I thought it was interesting because you were going to argue with me that Ohio State would still be a national championship favorite um, even without either of them, and I think that that is more interesting than what we were just talking about, and I really want to understand how you think you know, that Ohio State with two potential first-round draft pick All-American players at very crucial positions – is every bit as good enough to win a national championship as they would with those guys. And I want to remind you, the reason why I'm so appalled by that is because Ohio State had, let me remind you, maybe the best team in in program history last year, and they still lost with those guys. So, like, I just think that it's very easy to put Ohio State in the playoff, and I'm sure we're going to get into that discussion as this podcast progresses, but I'm not necessarily sure that winning it is something that ever should be taken for granted. I'm not saying that you are, but, like, I don't want – to picture what Ohio State's odds of that would be like without those two players. And if neither of them were playing, they would definitely make the playoff. I I wouldn't pick against that. But winning the national championship, I think, is an entirely different discussion when you start lining up on the same field as Clemson and Alabama, and they need both of them badly. Yeah, I mean, you're not you're not as you're not as good with that without either of them, obviously. But they still have Justin Fields. And it also matters like who they would be held up against. Like Clemson has Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, and they're great, and they looked awesome against Wake Forest the other night, but they have four new offensive line starters. And Alabama lost a bunch of receivers and has a quarterback in Mac Jones who I think is decent, but I'm not quite sure he's dynamic enough to win a national championship. And then if he's not the guy, then you have a true freshman in Bryce Young, and he's really good, but you're making a lot of assumptions there. Oklahoma's got a brand-new starter, and he was rocking shit against Missouri State, but that's Missouri State. So it's not everyone. everyone's going through transition. It's a weird year for everybody. I'm not going to tell you that I think Ohio State's as good because that would be stupid, but I don't know why they still – I don't know why you couldn't still consider them a national title favorite when the quarterback is still Justin Fields. Yeah, I guess it's just kind of like the idea of going back to you and I in the beautiful Camelback Inn uh, at the end of last year and seeing that team and what they had and then making it significantly worse with the players that they lost naturally and then taking the two of the three best players off their team now and then putting them – in a position to win the Big Ten championship and then beat a Clemson and Alabama in back-to-back weeks. I just can't picture them doing that without Sean Wade. Now, obviously, the Really? Entire- you can't picture them winning a national? I, I, I feel – I almost feel bad having this conversation because I don't want it to come off as like belittling Sean Wade, but you can't imagine them winning a national title if Sean Wade doesn't play? I can't imagine calling them the favorite to win it is how I should have said it. They're certainly um, – 
a really good talented team and they've recruited really well and they're at a position that they turn out first round draft picks like it's a merry-go-round and I think that seven banks and Cam Brown have a lot of talent so like if they turned out to be first round draft picks by the end of the year I think it would be more shocking if they didn't I guess based on the history and what Kerry Combs has been able to do at that position but I'm not going to sit here I wouldn't sit here right now in mid-September and talk about this team the way I was talking about them um coming into the season before all the craziness happened um in the same way without these guys i just i think that would be irresponsible too so like you know i know that it's next man up and all that you know stuff that people say but sometimes there is no next man up and (laughs) i don't know if cam brown or seven banks can fill the shoes of what i would anticipate sean wade doing this year even if it happened maybe next year or the year after maybe they'll be first round draft picks but i mean i think ohio state is much better (laughs) with those guys and if we've learned anything from last year, you have to be at your absolute best, regardless of what those other two teams lost to win. Uh, and if they if they lost last year, then I, f- I could picture them losing in any scenario this year, even with those guys. So, you know, yeah, it's a- yeah. I mean, I guess so. They lost last year. I mean, a lot because of failures to execute in the red zone on a couple trips and like a fluky targeting penalty, which I guess goes back to Sean Wade's importance, but. Um, I don't know. They're still real. Like I don't. I'm not. I'm not. Again, I'm not saying they're as good because you can't possibly say that. You're talking about two All-American first-round players, but Ohio State, I think, is just as competitive nationally. And I don't think it lessens. Yeah, I mean, if they go from title anymore, if they go from number three to number five, you're still in the same conversation. Uh, Or maybe they go from number one to number three, you're still in that conversation. I don't think that it impedes their ability to win the Big Ten or to beat Michigan and do the things that they've been doing with ease the last few years. I do question whether or not they could beat Alabama or Clemson at the end of the year. And let me tell you something. This just feels amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. It's funny. It's like, it's funny to have that conversation though, because like we haven't seen, like we make a lot of Alabama's going to be good. We haven't seen Alabama yet. We're not going to see him for another two weeks. I saw the recruiting rankings. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Ohio states too. Um, I know they aren't as good as Alabama's. I mean, it's splitting hairs for the most part. The 2019 class, I think, is the one you take out of the equation. But otherwise, um, I don't like. They're still they're still every bit the national title contender that that I would have expected them to be, even if Wyatt Davis and Sean Wade don't play. But I also think the last 10 minutes are a little bit of a moot conversation because at least one of those guys is playing. Yeah, and Wyatt Davis. Um, and and we'll see about Sean Wade. He's in an interesting position because like. Wyatt Davis is almost, I think, more certain about his draft stock than Sean Wade would be because Sean Wade's projection as a first-rounder is contingent upon him essentially switching positions. And if he doesn't do that, you know, I, I listened to, to like Dane Brugler, our, our draft guy, I was listening to his podcast the other day, Prospects the Pros, and they were like he was talking about Sean Wade has projections anywhere from the first to the third round, and that's a pretty big swing especially if we're talking like mid first to like the back end of the third round, like why Davis, I think can feel pretty certain that he's going to be like late first, early second round pick, no matter what happens. And, and Sean Wade has more to gain, I think by playing as an, as an individual than Wyatt Davis does. So he's in a tough position. I don't, I don't know what he's going to do. I my, my, again, my guess is that we don't see him, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. Why is that your guess? Like what, what just because is- it's felt like, like Randy Wade, when he was doing his stuff with the parents organization and they went to Rosemont and they, they demonstrated here in Columbus, he was always like, it's not about Sean. Sean's going to be okay. And I've just always got the vibe from them that Sean was probably going to opt out anyway. And it's not, I'm not saying that to project negatively at all on Sean, because I can't imagine being in that position. I think they're just, I think they were maybe resigned to the fact that, that it wouldn't make much sense for him to play this year. And if he decides to play, he just, that's great. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not telling you that he so should you're, I'm not telling you that just he's to definitely make this not clear, going to. I just think he might not. Just to make this clear, because you had more recent dealings with Randy than I did. Um, but if, let's say in this imaginary world where they fly out to Chicago and they pick it in front of the Big Ten building and then two days later, uh, the goal of that, uh, protest turned out to be a Big Ten's coming back, um, you know, whatever that was, three or four weeks ago. Do you think Sean Wade would have opted out then still, maybe? Yeah, I think he would have. I also think you have way more of a vibe on this than I do. You were in the man's home and talked about talked about why he came back. So you yeah, well, that's the thing. Well, I was about to push back at you. So 
Like that that's why I'm so surprised to hear what you're saying because he already made the decision. Like the decision was on the table and Randy Wade himself was tweeting the other day about how they wanted Sean to go pro. I mean, I flew to Jacksonville, sat in his living room and was dumbfounded that they decided to come back to Ohio State. And I told him to their face in their house. And I said, "What are you like what are we doing here? You know, like uh, go get that money, man. You earned it." And I know that if my kid were in that situation, he'd be going to get the money. That's a life-altering amount of money. But once they made that decision, and, and not by they, I mean Sean, because Sean's the one who, who pushed back on it. The parents are the ones who said go. Uh, Sean wanted to play. So obviously this is all in the context of no COVID because it hadn't happened yet. And like the risk of potentially getting sick and, you know, risking, you know, regardless of how small the odds are, long-term health effects as a result of it. I, I, I understand why somebody in his position might change his mind. But he came back to prove that, A, he's a first-round talent on outside corner, and, two, I don't think he wanted his last game to be what happened. That would be a terrible thing to have to live with for the rest of your life. So um, I I would have thought that he is more likely to come back given his positioning with uh, his his dad and, and how mad they were push- how bad they were pushing the Big Ten and the, and the public discussion about whether or not kids should play and um, all these things. So um, – the fact that Wyatt was back out in California and, you know, uh, you know my motto in California, go and never leave. Uh, I, I was really surprised to see him come back, and, and you had dealings with his, him and his dad too. So I don't know. I, I, I think that uh, we're going to get an answer probably relatively soon from Sean, and I don't know how much more time we should, you know, discuss what he might do. All I know is that I would have – absolutely envisioned him coming back with everything that he's gone through already and the fact that it's finally here and we're talking about them playing in a month one thing that i think is worth mentioning and we can move on from this after like uh why davis came back and then left he was back here and then he went back home like sean wade never came back uh once the season got canceled why came back at least for a little bit and then went back to california and I just think, like, the idea that Randy tweeted the other night that they did not want Sean to come back, and then he made this decision, I just think, like, the switch flips in your mind a little bit, and then there's, like, I don't want to say family pressure, because I'm not trying to put words in, in Randy Wade's mouth and, and his family's mouth, but when you're jerked back and forth the way these guys were for the last month, I, I think it wears on you. And on some level, you have to trust. If you decide I'm going to come back, you have to trust that like, the Big Ten's going to see this through. And I could see why you wouldn't trust them. I, I think it's going to be seen through, and I think they're going to finish the season. But I don't know. It just makes sense to me, given like all the all the things surrounding the decision that that Sean Wade might just be ready to to, to move on. But um, I asked Ryan well, also, Day, I asked too, Ryan Bill. Day about it on Wednesday, and he's like, they both they both told me they want to play, and just were confused and felt like left adrift by the Big Ten, so they made the decision they made. And as far as we know, Sean hasn't signed with an agent yet. So if he wanted to come back, the process should be a little easier than Wyatt's. So it's it's not it's not a monumental hurdle for I think for either of them to get over. But that's just kind of where I'm well, at. I, but I'm happy to be wrong. One, yeah, yeah, and you know what's going through his head is going through his head, and this is uh, speculation. But also it's important to understand that his plan apparently was to go out and celebrate his birthday and sign with an agent as a celebration tonight. Yeah. All I know is if I were his age or my age, I'd want to celebrate my birthday by making a million dollars. Like, And I think like when you get that close to that type of money, I think the, the switch can flip pretty quickly. So I think that Ohio State needs him. I think that the idea that this is a shortened regular season and potentially shorter trip to the national championship should be kind of appealing for somebody who wants to, A, prove himself, but maybe limit the mileage on his body because a big part of his decision to come back to was to be limited in practice because he didn't need to practice. So eight games instead of 13 or nine games instead of 12 or whatever the number is. It'd be, um, it'd be 11 instead of 15 if they went all the way. Potentially if you go yeah. all the way. four That's a month of football of hitting and – conditioning and all the stuff that's a pretty big difference mm-hmm. um i also think too that if he does come back and, and works out and plays a few games with ohio state and the season gets canceled in week three which worst case scenario that happens he still puts on tape what he has in the big 10 at the position he wants to which was the entire reason he did this to begin with and i think there's a lot of upside if you think about it on the outside uh for him to come back but on the other hand uh i don't want to 
tell that man not to take his money because I think that any time a college player is in a position to take their money, they should take it immediately. So, like, it's kind of a two, two-way two street because, you know, they, they put in a lot of work and they put in a lot of time in the recruiting process and fall camps and all the things that they go through. And then once you finally made it to a point where you have earned that money, that's your time to take it, in my opinion. So, Ohio State needs him. Uh, whether or not he feels like he needs Ohio State, I guess, is something that he's going to have to mull over himself. Hi, I'm Andy Staples with The Athletic. No matter what fitness fads you follow, one thing is true across every one of them. You have to get hydrated and stay hydrated. The best way to do that is liquid IV. It is the most efficient way to get and stay hydrated because each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Why is that? It's the optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium delivered into your bloodstream. I live in a place where it is scorching hot, very humid, lose a lot of water when I go out running. I drink a liquid IV beforehand. I drink a liquid IV when I get back. It feels great. Partial to the acai berry before, lemon lime on the way back. I'm not sure exactly why it works out that way, but those are my favorites. Also, if you celebrate it a little bit, it doesn't have to be a workout thing. Maybe I had a neighbor who was testing out smoked old fashions, and maybe I had a few. Maybe I had one too many. When I got home, I drank a liquid IV right before bed. I felt fantastic in the morning. So how do you get yourself some liquid IV? You go to liquidiv.com and you use the code ATHLETIC at checkout and you get 25% off anything you order. That is 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. So get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. One guy that we do know is playing this fall. We have no reason to believe he's not playing this fall based off his uh, behavior over the last month, and I, I don't mean that to be pejorative, um, is Justin Fields. What is on the table for Justin Fields now that we know there's a fall season? Heisman's Can we on the- talk about how this is actually happening? Yeah. Like, I thought... I thought we had I seen mean, the, the last of them. Ohio State getting another season of Justin Fields almost makes up for how last year ended. Is that a crazy take? I feel like this is going to be one of I mean, the snippets depends, that John the, picks out. It, it depends on how this one ends, I guess. But uh, yeah, no, I, it's I it's a major it's a major deal. I think to like I was I was preparing myself to like how how am I going to write about the idea that we only got to see one year of this like transcendent quarterback talent, and then like combined with what he's done over the last month to try to push to get a season played, and like if he didn't see didn't have the opportunity to like see that through. And there just wasn't like any closure for him at all. It'd be a really hard thing to try to like pare down and, and encapsulate. And I'm excited to not have to do that because that would have been really hard. But I'm also really excited to like he's. We talked last year about how maybe he's the best quarterback Ohio State's ever had, and, maybe, and, and like raw talent, whatever you want to throw Terrell Pryor in that mix and Braxton Miller. But if he is no, able to, it, if think. he's able to guide Ohio State to a national title in this year. Combined with everything else that's already happened, combined with his skill set, like I think that's legitimate. We're talking about like the best guy Ohio State's ever seen. Like there is a, there's a pretty major legacy to be written for Justin Fields this year, and I wasn't so sure we'd be able to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I I would put him. I think that it just depends on how you couch that discussion, and we always have differing opinions on who the best quarterback or best player in Ohio State history is. I think it's the way I look at it is the best player I've ever seen at that position, and I think that Fields has already done that. Uh, but when you start going up against the Troy Smiths of the world and the Rex Kearns and the guys from Ohio State's history that gave a lot, never blinking in the middle of a time where you had the biggest reason to leave, and not only not blinking, but also leading the charge to having that petition signed, going on, on national television and doing everything you can to try to get the season back on top, and then on top of that, staying and then winning on the field, I think might be the most impressive, most fondly remembered legacy that an Ohio State fan or that he could leave for an Ohio State fan who wants to remember him in his time here. And I think as we know, the worst possible thing that can happen to an Ohio State fan is not having a season. <laughs> like what what's worse than that? And the fact that he could have taken the easy way out and probably should have. And and I know that we don't want to have that discussion for the eight hundredth time, but like this guy is the most cemented draft stock 
of anybody. And I know that he's going head-to-head with Trevor Lawrence to be the number one pick potentially, but if he went and floated in a pool for the next six months, he'd still be a top-five pick. Mm -hmm. The fact that he did all those things off the field, was in Columbus working out even after they canceled the season, in videos, people are going to remember that. And that's all part of legacy. Bit of news real quick that is, has nothing to do with what you just said. Uh, the Did the president tweet again? No, no. Not the, not the president. <laughs> Actually, well, he did earlier today and took credit for saving the Big Ten. Um, yeah. And uh, the Pope has not tweeted about it as far as I've seen. The NCAA extended the recruiting dead period through the end of the year, which I don't think is surprising, but it's official now. Through January yep. 1, 2021. No uh, in-person recruiting, which is interesting like slight tangent, it uh, creates interesting timelines. I think for guys like Amakubuga and JT Tuimalau, who are like waiting to see if they could do visits, and maybe that can happen after January, but maybe not. That might this might accelerate the timeline a little bit now. Guys knowing that it's not going to come before the end of the year. Yeah, something, yeah. No, I think that makes it. sense. Uh, anybody who thought that they were going to have official visits this year uh, with a season was crazy. There's no way they're going to let people come in from an airport and come into a building when uh, they're trying to mitigate the risk of a virus. So uh, that's not surprising at all. Um, Certainly is going to change the way that recruitments are done. And, you know, there's two sides to the coin here, uh, but absolutely should have been something that people anticipated. Okay, back to Justin Fields. I think um, I just like the the thing that makes me most excited about Justin Fields is – it's like the legacy stuff, which is going to be very interesting to like to follow and, and document now this year. But it's also like this guy is insanely talented, and I still feel like like they held him back's not the right word, but there was more there. I think they were cautious with him last year, and understandably so because of what was behind him, his inexperience. Uh, but if you look at like their passing game, and even with the way they they ran him, there's just a lot of room there to like, uh, like let him cook. Is that what the kids say? Let him cook. Um, I just think it could be a really exciting season for Justin Fields, like something we haven't seen from an Ohio State quarterback in a long time. Like I know like Braxton Miller was electric, and and I think Justin Fields has some of that in him. But I think there's another level, particularly in the passing game, that that comes with that with Justin Fields that that is really intriguing and exciting for me to to actually get to watch this year when I when I was pretty certain a week or two ago we weren't going to get to see that. Yeah, I think that the biggest knock. Maybe it's not a knock, but like observation is, and I watched it a little bit. Did you watch the Patriots game this weekend? Just the highlights. I didn't watch the whole thing. Well, did you see Cam Newton's behavior after the touchdown? Mm-hmm. Where he handed the ball to the offensive lineman and spiked and all the dancing and everything? Yeah. I think, and maybe this is like completely irrational, and you tell me if I'm an idiot, that's what I want Justin Fields to be. Just like he was in the playoff game after that long touchdown run or uh, first down run up the middle, remember that? Yeah, where he dove past the marker and he like escaped pressure, got up and like flashed the first down. Like you are a star in the making. You're going to be a top three pick. You're potentially one of the most athletic players to ever play this game at the college level. Um, I want him to lean into it a little bit. I want him to have fun. I want him to enjoy playing at Ohio State for one more year and having a chance to win a, a Heisman and having a chance to potentially play for a national championship and really like kind of come into himself. And like, I don't know if this is just me imagining it, but I feel like in his first year last year, despite the fact that he was one of the most famous uh, players um, in the country, I don't ever really feel like he ever acted or grew out of, at least in the media sessions that we had as the new guy on campus. Like it's your campus, Justin Fields, like go take it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like go, dance after first downs hand the ball to Wyatt Davis hopefully for Ohio State to spike it like you know what I mean like I think that obviously all the stuff that you can improve in in the game Mr. X's and O's I'm sure you could break down and will break down with stories with 900 gifs now that you're able to do that I can't wait I'm so (laughs) excited I just feel like sometimes too like when it comes to a player at that position how he behaves on the field can also be such an electrifying magnetic thing and I think electrifying and a magnetic are similar, but you get what I'm saying. And yeah. it's the same reason, like, I think certain head coaches um, will be better at their jobs <laughs> uh, because they have their personality. So, like, I think you mix that in. And I think Justin Fields has a little bit more of that than he showed. 
I agree. I, I think there is. I, I already kind of feel it. I, I already feel there's a there's a presence about him that I didn't feel probably till like the end of last year. Honestly, probably till like the Michigan game when he came off the bench and he made that throw. Like that, that's when I kind of felt like he he arrived a little bit. Um, and ever since that point, the the way that like the the not like swagger is an overused word, but he had one. I thought against Clemson, and and I think that's going to carry over. But even the idea like. I thought he was very shy and reserved with us, and like, who are we? We're nobodies. Last year, but I just—you're not a nobody. Yeah, that's true. Um, somebody asked me to go on the radio at uh, two a.m. Eastern time, and didn't respond to that message. Uh, but I am in demand. Uh, what radio station was that? It was like CBS late night or something like that overnight. Like, can you come on? Uh, can you do a tape interview between twelve thirty a.m. and one, or you can just come on live anytime between two a.m. and five a.m. Like, uh, no. I'll be sleeping. But anyway, um, the fact that Justin Fields like went on Good Morning America this offseason and the fact that he like he put that petition out, which I guess doesn't take quite as much as going on Good Morning America. But he's on ESPN, like he's he's out there trying to get this thing happening. But then even like before that, before we knew the season was initially postponed, and I think it was like I think Doug asked him about like playing Michigan, like when do you want to play Michigan, and and Justin Fields says we're going to beat the brakes off him. It's like I, he wouldn't have said that last year. He's, I think he's grown into something here. And, like, this is silly stuff, but I think it gets back to what you're talking about. Like, a guy who is who is totally comfortable in his own skin, who's super talented playing at a premier position that everybody has their eyes on, I think is going to translate to some really exciting quarterback play this season. Yeah. No, I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. And I don't know if this is the perfect transition to discussing – playoff runs and whether or not this can work and committee stuff and some of the interesting things that Gene Smith said on the call. But I think that part of that Justin Fields personality development, at least kind of like owning it and being the guy could potentially have an impact on the playoff committee's mind. If I test is going to be a bigger part of the equation for teams that play a few less games if we get to that. Now, I, I don't know if we're getting way ahead of ourselves No, here. no, I think it's a good point to bring up. Um, but Ohio State might end up playing three games less than the SEC champion, right? The SEC's playing 10 games, right, and a, and a championship. So they'll play 11, and the Big Ten champ will play ten or nine. Nine. So two less. Most. And I don't know, like, I think it's a, a weird year. You have to embrace the fact that it's weird. Um, and, of course, there's no guarantee that the SEC is going to get through all their games the same way there isn't going to be a guarantee that Ohio State and the Big Ten will get through all their games. But I think that the Gene Smith brought up a, a, a good point in that he, he has been on that committee before and that was part of it. Ohio State fans love to hear the eye test and they hate to hear it depending on what year we're talking about. But I think – kicking everyone's ass and looking good while doing it is going to be more important this year than it ever has before. Yep. And Gene Smith said so much today in the conference call right after because naturally we want to talk about the playoff five minutes after the season starts. But, yeah. you know, that's where we're at. So uh, I'll read the quote <clears throat> from Gene Smith. And he made the point, like you said, he he had has been on the playoff committee. Barry Alvarez, who is the co-chair of the scheduling committee, scheduling subcommittee, had been on the playoff committee. And Gary Barda, who's the AD at Iowa, is on the playoff committee. Now, he might be a playoff committee chair, actually. Um, Gene Smith said, we might have some teams that play eight games. We might have some that play nine. Some might only have seven. Who knows? But I think that they understand, and they will develop criteria that includes, first and foremost, championships, overall win-loss record, and maybe trying to identify which team, frankly, has the best look about it. I hate to say that, but I think that's going to be something that's going to have to enter into the equation. Translation, Ohio State's going to try to beat everybody by 70 this year. As they should, you know, and dance while doing it. Um, Because you know what? You didn't know you were even going to get to play. So, um, you know, Oklahoma has been the – who do you think has been the biggest beneficiary of the eye test? Oklahoma? Oklahoma without – yeah. Yeah. No one's even close, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, people still watch defense, right? Like, or is I test fun nope. offense? I test, I test is only offense. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's what I test. I test means do you score a lot of points? <laughs> so score a lot of points. But I'm like, I'm excited about this. My favorite thing in the entire world, Bill, and you'll know that is you know this, and I think people on Twitter know this is screaming out into the abyss about playoff scenarios. Um, 
I like the playoff call. I like discussing the call. Um, comparing a six and zero team to an eight eight and zero or nine and zero team is going to be amazing this year. But my general thought of it has always been in a weird year like this. Um, take division or I mean conference champions and let each conference decide how those champions are crowned, whether it takes eight games or eleven, um, and then move on from there. I don't know. This doesn't seem like that's what's going to happen. They're still going to take four, but. You know, in a weird year, I, I, I think that whatever your team does, your team does. Now, I wonder if Ohio State has absolutely zero leeway right now um, in terms of whether or not they can lose and still get in. In years past, they could be a one-loss conference champion and walk in. I don't think that's the case this year if you play a shortened season. Um, but then, of course, too, if somebody misses – important players miss games then how do you judge that team there's a lot we'll have a lot of time to get down that rabbit hole but like I do think that um kind of just discussing where Ohio State is at in the context of the playoff is an important thing to discuss on this day because that was the biggest thing that everybody was concerned with nobody wanted to watch that spring season nobody nobody wanted it and we talked about it but nobody really wanted it I didn't want it I don't think you wanted it I think it might have been okay to have if it was the last case scenario but you know, this is what makes this sport fun. Playoff scenarios. Can Ohio State win a national championship? Can they beat Alabama and Clemson? That's the discussion. The sport is pure again. And <laughs> I'll be honest, I was watching the Clemson-Wake Forest game. I made some new friends out here in Texas that my girlfriend introduced me to, some male friends. It was important to her that I had some. And, yeah, my uh, girlfriend says that too. I was like, why is that important? I have like three friends. I've known them since I was a child, and I, I added you. Like, I don't need more than four friends. Yeah, yeah. So I'm your fourth friend, and I was your only one in Ohio because yeah. you were like my only one in Ohio, and all my friends live all over the country. But, like, she has a lot of friends who have significant others. Um, and she's like introducing me to the significant others so that like, I can go out and have a man day. <laughs> there's a really good, uh, there's a really good John Mulaney bit how he talks about uh, nobody's dad has any friends. It's just as your mom's friends have husbands. <laughs> yes, I think that's what is happening right now. But um, we were watching football and drinking whiskey and doing what men do, you know, being men. And uh, we were watching the Wake Forest Clemson game, which I thought taking 21 and a half for Clemson was I mean uh Wake Forest in the first half was a lock because of how sloppy everything was and uh, guess what that was a big L uh, <laughs> by the way um but I was watching I was like this sucks like Clemson's rolling they look amazing national championship race is going to be amazing this year and then it like dawned on me that like Oregon and Ohio State weren't playing and I was like this is way less fun than it would be if I were just watching football on TV with my newfound friends and there was a whole playoff picture so the fact that there's a lot to go through, I think, is is a good challenge. I think that it'll be fun to discuss. Um, it'll be fun to write about for both of us, mostly you. Um, and it'll be fun to like kind of decipher to see how the committee and how coaches and everybody kind of views this this world. And, you know, I think a 7-0 or 8-0 in Ohio State team would walk in just because you don't leave that team out depending on what they look like. But on the other hand, debates and SEC supremacy and – all the things that come along with it is is what this podcast was founded on and what my Twitter account was founded on and what this fucking sport was was found. <laughs> you know you owe one now too we got you know there are, back two, the there are two uh by the way subscribe to the athletic the athletic.com slash four dash six got Get excited one dollar it's one dollar uh subscribe to Dude, the my athletic. friend just sent me an Instagram uh story um about gambling like we are really hitting it off. Um, there are two episodes on our Apple iTunes feed. Please leave a five star review that have explicit logos next to them. And there are the two previous episodes where you dropped an F bomb. So I'm excited to see one get get one next to this episode now too. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, I don't care. Wait, what happened? If you look on our Apple iTunes feed and you go through the episodes, there are two that have a red E next to them because you said uh, the F word. Really? In each of those episodes, yeah. Not on mine. It still says there are clean lyrics, though, so we're good. But anyway, hopefully, uh, yeah, the, yeah, they're still they're there. Anyway, uh, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought now because you cursed and it threw me off. The, uh, the first playoff rankings don't come out until November 17th, and at that point, Ohio State will have played four games, and the SEC will have been playing for eight weeks, and the ACC will have been playing for, like, more than – like a month, like two and a half months. It's going to be really interesting to see how they like parse through all that information. 
Like, is 4-0 Ohio State going to be ranked number two in the playoff rankings ahead of 8-0 Notre Dame? No, I don't think so. God, this is great. So are we going to be left um, in a position where, like, Ohio, like, Ohio State's obviously in the playoff race, but they're not actually up there until the very end and they have all the data? I know, but that still is entertaining. Yeah, no, it's great. It's just going to be weird. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be, be a weird be playoff odd. race to analyze. Like that not only that, but like you said like games get canceled, guys don't play. Like they 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 analyze like some minute data points when they do this and it's like how are you supposed to if if Alabama plays LSU and LSU wins because like Mac Jones can't play in that game and then like Mac Jones is back the next week, like how do you evaluate that game? Yeah, no, that's that's one huge thing. The other thing uh too is that if eye test actually is important like if Ohio well this is going to be a nice segue after this but like who Ohio State plays and when they play them is going to be interesting too because if they play Penn State Wisconsin and Iowa in four of their first five games three of their first five games and look really good doing it then that's a different five and oh than another five and oh could be which brings us to another segue I think and that is the schedule is coming at the end of this week or the next week or early next week um do you think that they should front load this one or like how is this a whole new schedule discussion too about like how they should do this or do you think it'll be just a condensed version of like the one that they had before? I think if you are designing your schedule with an eye toward getting a team in the playoff, I think you need to balance it. So like in the case of Ohio state, I would put Michigan at the end like it normally is, even though it would be in December, but I would put Penn state like fairly early. I wouldn't put Penn state the first game, but I might put Penn State like game two or three. So you have like early indicator of what Ohio State is to get people paying attention to them or Penn State if Penn State were to win that game. And then at the back end of the season, like a final reminder of like, hey, don't forget about this team. And then you have the the, the conference championship game to, to add on to that too. Yeah. I'm very curious to see how that's going to look. I wonder if they're going to use the bones of the old one or if they're just going to start from scratch. So what I have heard, just some chatter, this isn't – much of anything i think at the moment um although i do think the purdue ad might have might have said as much they're going to use the original schedule like the first one the matchups from the original schedule which is basically like ohio state's probably not going to play purdue um and so it should be your six division games and then the like locked in crossovers that rotate and i think for ohio state that is home against nebraska and at indiana or sorry at illinois uh, so my expectation is that Ohio State plays its six division games in those two games, but in what order, I have no idea. That's going to be really – like I, I think in the original schedule, they're supposed to play Rutgers first, which would be like kind of a buzzkill. <laughs> but it's still football. football. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know, man. This is great. Do you want to talk about like uh, how you feel, like personal – stuff yeah i i did you get that mcmuffin this morning no because the we got uh wind that this decision was coming down like imminently so i didn't go get it i did i went uh i popped over to roosters and got a salad for lunch though that was good popped over to roosters and got a salad is like yeah oh great had a bowl of raisin bran for breakfast um it's been a big day i'm drinking salad do you mean like a bed of lettuce with a bunch of fried chicken on it yeah Okay, it's still, so it's I still got best. chicken fingers on lettuce instead of a plate. You still get, you still get the fiber. <laughs> yeah, I'm all about the fiber. Yeah. Um, no, I feel I feel really good. I feel like a, a pretty large sense of relief. Uh, maybe a dangerous sense of relief because you know nothing is guaranteed this year. But but I'm happy that everything seems to be lining up. Um, I mean, I was just not looking forward to a fall with no football, regardless of what some people might think. Uh, at least a fall without Ohio State football, because that's what we do. It's what I've done for six years. It's what you've done for longer than that. Um, and like Ryan Day was talking about, like routine, routine, routine. It's like we get into routines too, and I think we can get out of them easier because we're not finely tuned athletic machines who are like developed to do one thing. But um, the idea that we can like start leaning into season preview stuff and there's going to be a camp happening and we'll get into like a rhythm with interviews and I can do some of the film stuff you were talking about earlier and – I don't know. That's what makes me happy. That's why I like doing this stuff. So, so I, I feel pretty good today. Yeah. No, it just feels great. 
So I don't know. Like we'll have to um, we'll have to plan out like what we're going to do with this podcast moving forward. I think we'll we'll get. We've kind of been a little herky jerky with the schedule. I think even even today, getting this one out late on Wednesday. I think for planning purposes, we'll get a more a little more regular with that. Maybe start incorporating some some secondary shows too. If, if when Ohio State gets closer to the start of the season, because and the interest gets really ramped up, um, it's still going to be weird. It's going to be weird. Could we have another what six weeks until Ohio State is actually going to play? That's a long time. But it's nice to know that on on the other end of that, that there's going to be Ohio State football to, to write about and talk about and argue about, and, and I'm really looking forward to it. And also brings context to the current games that are being played. So even though it's six weeks uh, before Ohio State kicks off, I think that we can also start really getting a good look at the other teams that maybe it's harder to get a look at um, during normal years or on the road and doing what we're doing you know to get that six weeks to kind of like create a context of what Ohio State needs to be to win a national championship I think will provide a pretty interesting uh, dynamic in terms of of how we cover this team so um, it seems like we are never going to get here man but you know I know a lot of people are relieved Uh, no fans are at the game so you know except for family members and I don't know who else. Family members just and close members. friends or I think just so. family members? That's not – like the specifics on that aren't out just yet, but it's family members as far as I know, yeah. But, you know, it kind of gives people something to cling on to again. Uh, maybe a way to get through the the fall during a, a pretty crappy time. And, you know, the fact that it's all on the same schedule, the recruiting calendar is all on the same schedule, like everything. I just feel like this is like – it seemed like we were never going to get here, but at the same time, thinking about the alternative, it, it, I, I don't know how they ever could have played a football season on two separate schedules with different recruiting calendars. Even to this day, I, I couldn't come to terms with that. Uh, and they were going to do it, maybe, and it just like never made sense. So, you know, the fact that everybody's going to end up in the same pool and kind of the whole sports in it together is kind of the spirit of, of what we're supposed to do, even if the biggest rivalry in college sports is the South versus the North. Uh, it's just cool that that rivalry kind of exists. Yeah, this did kind of it crystallized a little bit for me what what January or even like Thanksgiving would have felt like. Any season in which Ohio State was not playing on a timeline that would allow the play for for a college football playoff. And I know that you can go pull up an episode of this podcast from not that long ago where I talked about embracing that idea. And I, I, I was because I was taking my, my cue from Brian Day who embraced that idea. And like if the program that I cover – is trying to embrace that. They're like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna belittle it, but, but this is obviously better. Um, and Ryan Day talked about coming around to, to this idea. I think he's he's always wanted this. And he talked about January because he had to at the time. He's always wanted this, and he said he he really came around to this idea when the daily testing um, became a reality. And like, I can't um, overemphasize how important that is to to what the Big Ten's doing moving forward because they need they, they need to test every day to avoid outbreaks because they don't have any any wiggle room here. They have nine weeks to play nine games. And I think it'll work, but but that piece is so important to, to make sure that that happens. And I think they have a really good plan. I think it's a strict plan. There are if you test positive, you have to wait twenty one days before you come back. And that's 14-day quarantine that I think was in the original NCAA recommendations and also a very thorough uh, cardiac examination to test for myocarditis before you get um, cleared and then an acclimation period, acclimatization period once you are cleared to come back to play. So, Which is this, an important thing to say that that could be 30% of the season. Yeah. So like people have to be really prudent about what they do, and I know that – you know, you could catch it at the grocery store. You could catch it by being irresponsible, and it's kind of hard to place blame if somebody does. But these are very stringent restrictions, and you know, just because there's a season schedule doesn't mean that things can't go off the rails if people aren't aren't prudent about it. So yeah, yeah, you know, it it's very strict. Wouldn't you say it was more strict than you would have thought it would be? Because I was like, twenty one yeah. days is not really the typical. Notre Dame had like a hundred cases or whatever it was, and then like two weeks later, everybody was back at it. So it's like probably, this is like yeah, it's probably uh, overkill to, to to be honest. Um, but I'm always I'm always on the side of of, of being cautious. I think to an extent, um, so I, I don't have too many problems with it, and, and it'll become a, a major talking point if if anyone in, encounters it. And I'm sure that'll happen, and we can discuss that if it ever happens at Ohio State. But um, I also, on the other hand, like I, I feel 
I don't want this to be misconstrued as me like trying to flip the script on the Big Ten because I thought the Big Ten mishandled this every single step of the way. But I feel pretty good about what came out of it in terms of whether or not these guys are going to be able to do this safely. So I wish the path there was better. But but I think the result, at least from a medical standpoint, is pretty good. Um, yeah, the path would have been with a postponement where you are today. It just wouldn't have been a disaster in the middle. Right. Well, if you would have postponed – if you would have postponed and like still practice, like maybe you could start your season in two weeks. Um, but that didn't happen. So now we have to wait till October 23rd for the season to start. And that's fine. Like as long as, as long as they're on, on a, on a way that they can play in the playoff, I think that's ultimately all that matters. Um, they made it a little more difficult on themselves than I think it had to be, but we'll cross their bridge if, if bridge, if we, if we get to it, I think for now, we'll just, we'll just hope that they get through without any interruptions and, and pull this off. And when we're talking on December 20th about, where Ohio State is in the playoff standings and, and who they might play in the semifinals if they get that far. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to dwell on all that stuff. Um, I'm going to dwell on the excitement of, of a football season being like on the horizon because uh, it was going to be a really shitty fall <laughs> without it. And we had a plan uh, on this podcast to, I think, have some listeners come on and, and kind of talk about that and talk through it. And I got a lot of really – interesting and thoughtful messages from a lot of people. If you sent me those, uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do just yet because the situation's kind of changed and we'll talk with our producer, John Hayes to figure out how we want to go about doing that. We might, maybe we just scrap the idea totally, but, but if we do do that, I want to thank everybody who sent stuff in. Um, I enjoyed reading your messages and was, was thankful that you, that you sent those messages and, and I'll get back to you to let you know one way or the other, what we're going to do. Um, but we're like officially morphing and not morphing, but like switching into preseason mode now, right? We're going to do, Probably position group breakdowns position and breakdowns schedule and analysis and like all that stuff. Over unders and all that stuff. Over unders. Yeah. 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 It's gonna be fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna write I uh I have gone I have like a Trey Sermon film thing I wanna write that I was like really excited to write and then didn't really have any reason to. So that might go up like sometime relatively soon. He's somebody that you could feel good for too, speaking of him. I mean, there are a lot of guys you feel really yeah. like Trey Sermon. Like you go down on the list of guys to feel Jonathan good about Cooper, all the fifth year guys. Um, yeah. even, but even like Justin Fields, um, shoot. Also Ryan Day. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Day. I mean, <laughs> I don't coach. know if you if you ca- caught this on the Zoom call today, but the man seemed both resu- uh, exhausted and relieved. I think that's how a lot of people feel. I think that he's in a position where he knows he can win a national championship this year, and it might take Ohio State two or three more years to build back up to how good they are this year after the fact. Maybe it'll be sooner, depending on how this class ends up. But it—you don't get to this point and build a program and build a team to get to this point to lose out on it, ever. And the fact that that was like almost taken away from him, I think that like he's pretty juiced up. Dabo Swinney, this is from Matt Connolly, who covers uh, Clemson for the uh, State newspaper in Columbia, South Carolina. Dabo Swinney is all for the Big Ten being included in the college football playoff. It says the season wouldn't have lost any luster without them. Quote, the last time I checked, there's been a lot of champions coming from the conferences that we're already playing. Giddy up. <laughs> it's back, baby. <laughs> Only uh, three months. That's not that long. A little over three months till we know whether or not Ohio State might get another shot at Clemson. Yeah, you can bet that they've become the number one uh, team in the in the rivalry crosshairs yeah they really have they really have. that's a, yeah that's uh i mean we knew that but but it feels like Wyatt davis's whole thing was like i gotta come back and beat clemson which is yeah. why which is why he opted out and is now trying to opt back then because now he has a chance to try to beat clemson again i think they will be they all want to win a national title, and I almost feel like if they come back and win a national title but somehow don't have to play Clemson on the way there, like something will feel empty about it. No, I think winning a national title will feel just No, it'll still them. feel great. It'll still feel great. but Yeah, I mean, I know that the Ohio State's national championship at the end of the 14th season was the perfect championship because not only was it the first playoff, um, but they went through Alabama to do it. You know, I think that's like will always be – a sweetness factor to it. But like, I also think that there's like a 95% chance that they will play them. So, you know, I don't know, maybe. Well, well let's, let's do this. We got, we have three ish minutes left on this podcast. Give me your okay. playoff picks. North Carolina. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Landis, I don't know. No, I think Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, and Oklahoma. Like, God, there you go. Do we have to watch Oklahoma go like average fifty points a game in the Big Twelve, and then go to the playoff and score thirteen? Like, do we have to do that again? Yeah, we know. I don't know. Put somebody else in. <laughs> I don't know who else I would put in. Texas. Dwan Mathis leads Georgia to the playoff. He might be their starting quarterback. I know. Uh, Seth Emerson, our Georgia writer, texted me for his high school coach's number this week. Former Ohio State commit Dwan Mathis. By the way, Dwan Mathis is. I drove all the way up to Detroit to do a story on him, and he had one of the coolest attitudes of any player I've ever interviewed. And like, I'm rooting for that kid. Yeah, me too. He was like awesome. Him. Yeah, I talked to him at a, at a camp, uh, the opening regional, and I liked him. He had a good way about him. Um, Ohio State worked out, worked out okay for Ohio State. Though they got Justin Fields. Yeah. All right, we'll wrap up there. Uh, exciting day. Uh, I think I think Ari and I are like happy for all you guys, all you Ohio State fans, all you guys who listen to us Absolutely. and support what we do, that, that you're going to get to watch Ohio State football this fall. And we thank you for sticking with us through a lot of the uncertainty. Uh, again, I'll plug one more time. Uh, it be a good time to subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6. One dollar for a subscription. One dollar uh, per month for a subscription right now. If you go through that link, theathletic.com slash four dash six. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And we will talk to you guys next week. And we get to talk about football. Thank you.